When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 368, and today we are talking about books being released on June 28th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Lib. How are you? I'm really cranky. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's completely understandable. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I get cranky often anyway, but this week has just been a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm especially mm-hmm. cranky. And, you know, there's lots of great things in the world, you know, but there's also a lot of not great things, especially, you know, this week. So I'm cranky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, there are a lot of there are a lot of great things, and also there are a lot of really hard things right now. And I definitely want to call out the Supreme Court decision. And it is, I think, it's really important that we all do what we need to do to protect ourselves. I've said this in my newsletter, but if you have to dissociate, if you have to step away in order to show up in different ways later, then that is what you have to do because it is a long fight. It's a continuing fight and we need everyone to be fully present. And so I definitely want people to give themselves permission to step back and mourn and be angry so that we all can show up when we need to. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, I've just been trying to focus today on things that make me happy. <laughs> totally. Um, so I one of the things that made me happy is that this past week, you and I sent each other stickers on the same day, and we both got them on the same day across the country, like unbeknownst to each other. And that brought me a lot of joy. Like not only that you sent me stickers, but like the timing was yeah. perfection. Yeah. I mean... It's so weird to me because in the past, I've sent things to California in the last few years, and it takes like 10 to 15 days for my my friends to get things out there. Like, that always used to be the norm. And, you know, like one of our former coworkers, Wallace, lives in California, and I send her son presents and stuff for his birthday, and I always have to send them like weeks in advance because it takes so long. And so the last few times that I've sent you things and sent him things... They've been there, like, in just a couple of days. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm sending things to people in Portland, which is, like, 45 minutes away, and it's taking a week and a half. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand it anymore. So I sent you something, like, on Tuesday. We're recording on Saturday. I sent you something on Tuesday. And you posted about it yesterday. And I was like, there's no way that – there's no way, like, did I lose a week? You know? And then I went outside and checked the mail, and there was something from you. And I was like – is she responding to what she got? Because there's no way she got it that fast and it got here that fast. You know, but you had just had the idea to send stickers at the same time. It was amazing. 
Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. Little bits of joy. Yeah. So speaking of little bits of joy, which is going to be a very large bit of joy, I just have to mention this because it is my book-loving dream come true. Tomorrow, I'm driving to pick up an actual card catalog from a library. It's from a main library. Uh, My friend got it when the library, like, redecorated or moved or something like that many years ago in Portland. And it's it's a card catalog, like, with all the drawers. It's got 60 drawers and shelves that you pull out in the middle to put the drawers on. And it's an absolutely gorgeous piece of furniture. I've always wanted one. You know, I, I'm a library ba- brat. Like, I almost said a library bat. That's a great series of books, <laughs> by the way. Um, and, you know, I do hang around libraries. You know, so when I was a little kid, I always wanted one. My mother would be like, you have no use for this. And I'm like, but they're so cool. And for as long as I've been searching the internet, I look at them online and they're like thousands of dollars to buy a new mm-hmm. one. You know, mm-hmm. like these furniture companies are like, you know, book nerds want these. Let's make them, you know. And so my friend got one. And she's had it for many years, and now they need to move some other stuff in their house, and they don't have room for it anymore. And so it weighs, like, a bazillion pounds, even without the drawers in it. Oh, my And she's gosh. like, if you can come and get it, you can have it. And so I've hired some of my friends, well, really my cousin and his friends, to come with me, and we're going to go pick it up and bring it back. And I could not be more excited. I am so jealous. I am just like, ugh. That is yeah. the dream. Like, that's the dream. Yeah. But do you know what you're going to put in it? Like, what you're going to do with it? Well, yeah. But first, before I tell you about that, uh, we're going to hear from a sponsor. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Okay, now back to nerding out about the card catalog. (laughs) So like my husband, not a big reader. 
he's like, okay, you want this, fine, but, like, I don't really get it, you know? And so I showed him, because I, I posted a photo of it on Instagram, and I received more messages about it than anything else I've ever posted about on Instagram, which is ridiculous. But everybody was like, I am so jealous. And I was like, I know, right? Like, I can't believe it, and I'm so lucky, and, you know, I'm just so excited. And so I don't know what, like, I don't know when I'm going to put it, you know? I've ha- I have all these ideas. Like, I am at a loss for shelf space always. And I have 85 Agatha Christie mass markets Mm. that are sitting on a shelf, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I could stack them up in threes and put six in a drawer, you know, and still have plenty of drawers left over. You know, and then my husband's like, but then you won't see all of your Agatha Christie books at once. I'm like, that's okay. I know they're there, you know, and then I can put more things on that shelf, you know? Or like, we just have so much stuff that I'm always like, where are the instructions for this? Where's the cord for that? Where's the, you know, mm-hmm. I, like, I have all kinds of arts and crafts supplies. Is, I'm getting so excited just <laughs> thinking about it. You know, like, it was like a delight because I actually thought I had imagined it. I was at the height of COVID. I had 102.7 fever. Oof. And my friend sent me a text message and said, you know, kitten, I'm getting rid of this and I want you to have it. You have always envied it and it's yours. And I got up the next day and I was like, I had a dream that she said I could have her library catalog. <laughs> and then I was like, that's not a dream. Oh, so, so glad. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yes. And my wish is that every book nerd who has ever wanted one of these eventually gets one because... You know, but we're not like, we're not calling it like, you know, the Dewey Decimal System catalog because no. in case people haven't heard, he was a terrible, awful man. Yeah. So we don't, we don't refer to him anymore. And also as a person who has her master's in library science, also that cataloging system is just, it's garbage. <laughs> like, like the like the Dewey Decimal System is actual trash and it doesn't make sense. But that's that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. So that was me just gushing about how excited I am. I you know it's pretty exciting. I have to drive up into Maine on a Sunday in the summer, which is you know something you don't want to do unless you have to. Something that locals don't usually do. Because the traffic is wild, but it's worth it. So, yeah. See? Look at how excited I got. I can be happy. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'll put stickers in it. Like, I could, like... Like, I have, like, little compartments of stickers, like, little carry caboodle things, but, like, maybe I, like, go bigger, you know? Well, that's what I was thinking, like, because I definitely have a cataloging system for my stickers, like, yeah. that I use for snail mail and stuff like that. And so, I mean, yeah. it kind of it's kind of like the right size and shape for that. Yeah. The reality of it is that it's going to be a new cat hair collector slash, you know, cats will vomit on top of it piece of furniture, just like everything <laughs> else that we have in the house. Because they can't let me have anything nice. <laughs> Oh, so, oh, we're talking about books. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's exciting. Stickers and card catalogs. Yeah. Dream come true. So I will take lots of photos of it and post it on Instagram because it's, you know, I had to do some wheeling and dealing too. This is like, this is what I want for my birthday because my husband was not entirely sold on the idea of bringing like some 300 pound piece of furniture into the house. (laughs) Um, So I was like, this is what I want for my birthday. And he's like, damn it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, very excited. All right, I'm going to stop talking about it. I swear I am. All right, I almost said it was time for a sponsor, but we already did that. I've just been talking so much. All right, so let's talk about books. Yes. 
the, my first pick for today is a book that I wanted to talk about last month, and then it got moved, and it is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. Now, before I start talking about this book, I do want to say that there is some difficult subject matter pertaining to death. You know, I'm going to talk a bit about mortality and people's decisions regarding it, so it's a little heavy, you know, before I start talking about it. But this is a very compelling heart punch of a debut novel. I read this book in like two seconds. It's so good. So people are living in the world. And one day, a bunch of people all over the world, over the age of 22, they find this box on their doorstep. Like it's a little box. And first people are like, did my neighbors leave this for me? But then they realize like... Their neighbors have them, and then they go on the internet, and they see that people have these boxes all over the world, and what are these boxes? And they open them, and there's a piece of string inside, and that's it. So people are like, well, this is weird, and is this some kind of, like, viral advertising campaign for something? Like, is this a practical joke? Like, what is this? But as the days go on, everyone who turns 22, you know, because lots of people do that every day, They find a box on their doorstep, and nobody sees where they come from. Nobody sees how they get there. And they eventually figure out that, through lots of thinking, everybody's piece of rope is a different size. And it actually correlates with your life expectancy. So if you open that box and you have a very tiny piece of rope, you know, they discover that those people die very soon after. And if you have a very long piece of rope, you're expected to live for a very long time. And... It's weird. And like, where is this coming from? And it sends the world into upheaval. Because now, you know, people like open these boxes and now they're like, I wish I didn't know that my piece of rope is is very short. And some people are like, I don't want to know. The people that can find out later, you know, after they've discovered what it means, they're like, I don't want to know. You know, so they don't open their boxes. And, and like, their their partners and their, their family are like, we want to know, we, we, we want to know. And they're like, I'm not going to tell you, you know. And then as time goes by, you know, this turns into a political thing. It turns into another way to keep people down in which people who have short strings are denied access to health care and to treatment because they're like, well, you don't have a very long lifespan, so we're not going to waste our resources on you, you know, which is horrifying. And, you know, a lot of people get very upset about this and lots of tragedies happen and, and relationships end. People are like, I'm sorry, I can't be with somebody who's, who's you know, going to pass away soon. You know, it, it's it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to think about this book. And, and the world just rages because of these because of these pieces of rope and in the middle of it there are these eight characters that we follow and they find solace and comfort in one another and you know some of these characters they haven't opened their boxes some of these characters are in a support group for people who got you know a short piece of rope Um, i keep saying rope it's probably string it's been so long since i've read it but you know they're trying to deal with like you know oh my goodness because they don't know what's going to happen to them they just know that they don't have a long time and it's it's just amazing. And and of course, you know, there are people who have uh, short strings who decide, well, you know, if this is what's going to happen to me, I'm just going to, you know, take my future into my own hands and and my own life. But people, it doesn't work like that because you you have a set amount of time and, and it doesn't work for those people. It's really heavy. Like I said, it's really heavy, but it's so compelling 
and just it's really, really sad at times and, you know, infuriating. And also there's a, a part to it that I think is going to infuriate a lot of readers. I actually read this novel and I was like kind of infuriated myself when I set it down. Like I was like, that was really good, but ugh, you know, about a certain thing. But then like the more time I spent like thinking about the book, I was like, I can't stop thinking about it. And that was fantastic. Um, it's really interesting. And, you know, it's a really powerful take on the world we live on. We live in and like, there's so much to discuss. It's a great book group book, you know, like, do you want to know when you're going to die? What if you did and you find out that you have a short string? What would you do? What would you do if someone close to you had a short string? You know, it's just, it's a lot. It's really good, though. There are a lot of content warnings, including chemical use and abuse, illness and death of loved ones, including children, violence, suicide and suicidal ideation, grief and prolonged discussions of mortality. It is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. I remember getting or like seeing when that book was coming out and reading about it. And I'm like, this is too intense for me. <laughs> it's very intense. <laughs> Before you tell us about your first fabulous book, I just realized that I got so excited about the card catalog that I forgot to mention that we're hiring a digital marketing manager. Hey, uh. I'm looking at the notes and I'm like, what's that? Oh, yeah, that's the thing you skipped over because you were nerding out. Um, so if you would like to apply for the position of digital marketing manager at Book Riot, you can go to bookriot.com slash join dash us and see all the requirements and the jurisdictions. Uh, it is a remote position. And also we are an equal opportunity employer and especially are looking for applications from individuals from marginalized communities. So go to bookriot.com slash join dash us if you are interested in the position. All right. I did it. Yay. Good job. So tell us about your first great book. Yes. So my first pick is Our Crooked Hearts by Melissa Albert. This is the newest book by the author of The Hazelwood, which I absolutely loved The Hazelwood. And that book haunted me for a long time after I read it. Our Crooked Hearts is billed as The Craft Meets Neil Gaiman. It is pretty darned creepy, and I could not put it down. The book is told primarily from two points of view. First, we have Ivy, who is a teen, maybe just finished junior year of high school. And at the beginning of the book, she just broke up with her boyfriend, Nate. They are in his car leaving a party, and he is driving recklessly. He swerves, crashes, and gets out of the car... And Ivy's like, what's going on? And he's like, I saw something. Specifically, a woman, or at least an older teen girl, standing naked in the middle of the road. Ivy was too much in, like, in her thoughts and in her own head, and she didn't see her. But Nate says she ran into the woods, because, of course, there's creepy woods right there. And both Ivy and Nate run in to find her because it was unclear if she was hurt or needs help or what, and they definitely find her. The other point of view is told from Dana, Ivy's mother. Dana and her best friend, who Ivy refers to as Aunt Fee, are local witchy types, and they run an herb shop that is well-known in town. 
Dana's chapters are mostly flashbacks about when she and Fee were teens and getting into witchcraft in troubling ways and probably deeper than they should have. Ivy knows nothing of this, of course. She and her mother have a very strained, cold, distant relationship. Borderline antagonistic. Dana doesn't let anyone in, especially her daughter. She has some big secrets, and it's very clear that she is deliberately keeping things from Ivy. Of course, weird, creepy things start happening. I really want to tell you about them, but I also don't want to spoil anything for you. I will say that Ivy is spending the summer grounded. She shouldn't have been at that party with Nate, so her summer's gonna be a bummer. On top of that, her mom has gone incommunicado, like... She's not home, and Ivy's sure she's with her Aunt Fee doing stuff for the shop, but, like, she doesn't come home at all, and she's not responding to texts. Is she missing? Is she just doing the distant and aloof thing she does? Before Dana left, Ivy witnessed her doing some weird stuff and super creepy things keep happening, like at the house, and especially when Ivy's there, and her mom is still nowhere to be found. So this book had me on edge of my seat and it was like riding a roller coaster in the dark. I didn't see any of it coming. I kept getting caught off guard and yelled, wait, what? Numerous times while reading this book. I thought this book was incredibly fun, though really big content warning for violence to animals, mostly rabbits. It's Our Crooked Hearts by Melissa Albert. So the new Celeste Ng book that's coming is called Our Missing Hearts. So I keep getting confused now because I'm like, which one is this? But yes, I'm very excited to read this. I didn't read it because I know that you wanted to discuss it. So I was like, I'll read something else and then get to it. So now I'm going to have to like read it as soon as we finish doing this. What is it that we're doing? Recording a podcast. (laughs) It's so hot in here. Like we've hit those those days of summer and like we're recording in the middle of the day when the sun is on my house in this corner of the house and I'm melting. Mm. Like I have the microphone off while you were talking and I'm like fanning myself and Jen's probably listening to this and it's probably going like, what is she doing? (laughs) Um, But it's so hot. So moving on to my next pick. It is Valentina Salazar is Not a Monster Hunter by Zoraida Cordova. Cordova is so prolific. She has like a gazillion books, I think, roughly, give or take. Has YA titles, romance titles. Her first adult novel, The Inheritance of Orquida Divina, came out last year, which will be in paperback, I think, next week. She writes short stories. And this, I believe, is her second middle grade novel. It is a lighthearted adventure, which had me at the words, fire-breathing chipmunk. I was like, I'm on board. I'm sold. Bring it to me. This is about the Salazar family. They come from a long line of monster hunters on her father's side. And not just the big monsters, not just the famous ones like Yetis and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, but turns out there are all kinds of monsters in the world, including fire-breathing chipmunks. But her father decided at a young age that he's not going to kill monsters. He's going to help them. These monsters are doing nothing except existing, and his family hunts and kills them because they worry about them doing something to humans, so they decide to 
strike first. So now there is the Salazar family. It's Valentina's father and mother and her three older siblings. And they are basically a traveling monster helping group. They have a big camper van and they go around the country helping people and monsters and the kids are all homeschooled and it's this very exciting life to live for a child. But then, unfortunately, Valentina's father dies during a recovery mission that goes wrong. And her mother decides she's going to give up the family business. Like, she doesn't want to be a monster hunter anymore, or a monster helper anymore, I should say. And she brings the kids to a home, they buy a house, and they settle down, and they retire the camper van, and she sends the kids to school. And Valentina is not happy about this, because what an exciting life she used to lead. And now she has to go to school with a bunch of other kids who don't know about monsters, and... You know, she's missing her dad, and her siblings are doing a lot better than she is. She's not thriving like they are. And then one day, she sees a viral video of an egg online, and she knows what this egg is. She knows that it contains a mythical creature. And so she rounds up her siblings, and they decide to go on a trip to find this egg and nab it before it hatches or before monster hunters can get their hands on it. Because if it hatches, you know, there's a creature and things could happen. And also there are lots of complicated feelings involved because the creature inside this particular egg is the same species that killed her father. It's a really fun adventure book that's also about big feelings and big ideas. You know, there's grief and, you know, about the loss of a loved one and forgiveness and family and also, you know, her uncles are still monster, hunt- monster hunters, and the book explores, you know, having, you know, relatives and friends who have different ideas than you, and some of which are dangerous. And it's also about speciesism, you know, assuming that humans are good and creatures are bad and must be controlled and killed in order for humans to survive. It's really fun. I and like that sounds very serious, and it is, but like it's also written very lightheartedly, and you know, it's really charming. Related, my birthday is coming up. And I would really like a fire-breathing chipmunk, so if any of you could make that happen, I would greatly appreciate it. I will keep it in my library card catalog. I'll make it a little nest. It'll be great. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Although it is wooden, (laughs) so I don't know how that happens. But anyway, this book is adorable. It's called Valentina Salazar is Not a Monster Hunter, and it's brought by Zoraida Cordoba. For my next pick, I have American Royalty by Tracy Lavesey. Okay, this book is way out of my usual genre circles, and I'm not going to lie, it was totally fun. It's absurd and silly and fun. This is a contemporary romance that heavily evokes the relationship between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle before they got married. Our heroine is a black American woman who is a rapper who goes by the moniker Duchess. Like, the nods to reality in this book are really heavy-handed, and I'm not mad about it at all. Duchess, her real name is Danny, is always on the move, always working, always hustling, always grinding, and she has her own skincare line. That's like Rihanna's Fenty Beauty and Fenty Skin, anyone? She has some major corporations interested in partnering with her line called Meliskin, which is a play on the word melanin as it is a skincare line formulated for black and brown folks. 
Of course, there are people getting in Duchess's way. One of them is Samantha Banks, a white pop star a bit reminiscent of Katy Perry, who keeps riding on Duchess's coattails and creating beef where there is none. Samantha Banks has made up a whole feud between her and Duchess, and Duchess has tried to ignore her, but the bad press is getting in the way of her success with Meliskin. Another person who is getting in her way is her manager, who keeps trying to play up Duchess's sexuality as if she's a one-dimensional character, and he's keeping her from expanding and from accepting some amazing opportunities. Our hero is Prince Jameson. His grandmother is the Queen of England, and the royal family is white in this book. Prince Jameson has been able to mostly stay out of the spotlight. When he was young, his father died in a tragic accident, and his mother was able to offer him protection by putting herself between Jameson and the paparazzi. Jameson has been allowed to do what he wants and not have his royal duties, and instead he is a philosophy professor at a university. Well, the queen recognizes that her children have made for some very bad press for the royal family, and so she voluntells Jameson that he will be the forward-facing royal for a benefit concert in honor of his deceased grandfather. Jameson was very close to his grandfather, and so he and his grandmother strike a deal. Though, when it comes down to it, Jameson really, really does not want to do this. And he's at a pub when the royal project manager asks him to name some musical acts that should be in this benefit concert. He only listens to long-dead composers, so he pulls aside a lad at the pub and asks this guy's opinion, and the lad names Duchess. Jameson submits her name, Sight Unseen. He eventually looks up her music videos, and he is simultaneously incredibly turned on, and also thinking he may have made a mistake in including her in the benefit concert for his deceased grandfather. But it is what it is, and he will be an absolute gentleman and also do his best to give her a lot of space because he very easily could fall into debauchery. His plan would have worked, too, if she didn't show up early and he had to host her at his estate for the couple weeks before the concert. This book was so absurd and fun and sexy. Yes, there is explicit open-door sex on the page. It's American Royalty by Tracy Lifesay. When you said his plan would have worked too, I thought you were going to say, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Like Basically, I was, yeah. I was ready for that. <laughs> so, awesome. We are now going to talk about more of today's releases, hardcover and paperback that we're excited about, but haven't necessarily read. That's a very long sentence. Uh, but first, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle. Walk, Ride, Paddle is a captivating memoir of Senator Tim Kaine's physical journey through the Virginia wilderness, but it is also a unique and ultimately optimistic perspective on these pivotal moments in history, offering inspiration, wisdom, and hope. With immediacy and honesty, Kaine pulls back the curtain to reveal his inner thoughts during such monumental times. And Kane's storytelling gift and wise observations offer a fascinating glimpse into the mind of a seasoned politician and outdoor enthusiast. Walk Ride Paddle is available everywhere audiobooks are sold on April 9th. 
It is narrated and written by Tim Kaine, Virginia Senator and former Democratic vice presidential candidate. It's a compelling account of one man's journey across hundreds of miles of Virginia wilderness and a moving testament to the optimistic spirit of America. So make sure to check out Walk, Ride, Paddle by Tim Kaine. And thanks again to Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. Shu Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shu Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shu Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my f- next book is one that I read last year and talked about on the podcast. And it's out in paperback today. And I'm just so excited about this book. For many reasons. One, it was one of my favorite novels of last year. Two, the new paperback cover is just as fabulous, if not more fabulous, than the hardcover cover. It includes rabbits, but not in the way that Patricia's pick includes rabbits, I'm guessing. Bunnies, no, bunnies are harmed in the making of this book. It is Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead by Emily Austin, which is also my favorite title of last year. Just, I love so much about this book. And I really feel like it needed a lot more attention because it's a really great novel dealing with anxiety and mental illness. So it's about a young woman named Gilda. She is 20-something. She is queer, atheist, and she prefers animals to people. And she's also quite awkward. She finds herself in a lot of awkward situations. She doesn't like attention. She likes to live a quiet existence. And doesn't like to put anybody out or make a big scene or make anybody feel bad. Including, at the very beginning, when she is involved in a car accident, which was not her fault. And, like, doesn't want to go to the hospital. Doesn't want them to call an ambulance because she doesn't want to put anybody out. Doesn't want to blame anybody for what happens. Like, she just is like, okay, I'll just go home. And so, due to these circumstances involving her general nature, uh, she ends up working as a receptionist at a Catholic church pretending to be interested in God, pretending to be straight because she needed a job and there was some confusion as to why she was there and she ends up with this position. And she finds out that the woman that had the job before her, Grace, died. And at first it's just like they find out, you know, Grace died and she was older and, you know, she's reading through Grace's emails. And Gilda is also deathly afraid of dying, pun intended. And... She spends a lot of time wondering what happens after we die. So now she's in church and she's thinking about religion and she's thinking about grace. And as Gilda sort of looks into the death of grace, they find out that grace may not have died 
by natural circumstances. And so now there's like, what's happening? She starts reading Grace's emails that she used to send. And she finds out that one of Grace's friends doesn't know that Grace died. And so she starts writing to the woman pretending to be Grace because she doesn't want the woman to be sad that Grace has died. Uh, She's also thinking a lot about her own mortal coil. And as all of this is happening, her her life is like unraveling more and more because she has a lot to deal with. She has a lot to unpack from her childhood. Her parents were very strict. They were very unfriendly. They were not loving. They, you know, told her a lot of what she wanted and felt was wrong. She's been neglecting her relationship with her girlfriend. Instead, she, like, hides out in her apartment and is focusing more and more on Grace and Grace's death and, you know, these emails with Grace's old friend. You know, and as all of this comes to a head, she's going to have to face her fears and decide what she wants from her life you know, what she wants to go do going forward. And again, it all sounds very serious, which it is, but it's a dark comedy. It is so funny. It is seriously one of the funniest books I have ever read. I laughed out loud so many times. Uh, there's a little kid that signs her cast when she's in the car accident, and that part there made me laugh forever. Um, it's just so great. And it's also one of the most sensitive and touching books I've ever read. I, I spent a lot of it thinking, like, how does the author know what I'm thinking? How did the author get in my head? Because these are, like, some of my innermost thoughts that I have. And here they are on the page. And it's an amazing thing to see things that you think and feel that you worry, like, are exclusive to you. And know that, like, someone else thinks them. Like, like connects you to somebody. And, and it's a good feeling. You know, Austin has done an incredible job giving a voice to anxious internal thoughts. It's just, I just think this book is just the best. And also, I want to point out that Patricia sent me one of the most amazing stickers I've ever received this week, which looks like one of those, now that's what I call music logos, but instead it says, now that's what I call anxiety. And it's just amazing. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about the anxiety book. And I got an anxiety sticker. It was so great. <laughs> so I do want to give content warnings uh, for mentions of homophobia, mental illness, chemical abuse, suicide, self-harm, anxiety, murder, animal death, and a car accident. Also, I want to mention that this has my new favorite last line in a book. It's so good. It is, everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily Austin. For my next pick, I have Beasts of Prey by Ayana Gray. This book is out in paperback today, and I actually totally read it. It had been on my TBR since it came out last year, and I was like, oh, hey, that comes out on my All the Books Day. So the timing felt right. I want to say up front that Beasts of Prey is the first in a trilogy that is not yet complete. It definitely ends on a cliff, but the great news is that the second book, Beasts of Ruin, comes out at the end of July, so you won't have long to wait for that. The third book is scheduled to come out next year for now, so it's not a super long timeline. This book is told from multiple viewpoints divided by chapter. We have three main characters, all young adults, Adia, Kofi, and Ekon. It all takes place in Lakosa, a large town on the edge of the greater jungle, which is a truly terrifying place. Most people, if not all people, who go into the greater jungle do not make it out alive. There is a demon in the jungle, the Shatani, that murders anyone who enters. It's the most feared beast ever known, and yet not much is known about it because no one meets the Shatani and lives. 
Adia is a Daraja, a person who can use magic. Although in this book, it's not called magic, it's called the Splendor. And it's something that a Daraja can pull from the world around them and allow it to move through them as they use it. It's really dangerous to keep hold of the Splendor inside their body, so they just act as conduits. Kofi and her mother are indentured servants at the Night Zoo, a place that has all kinds of wild and fantastical beasts. The owner of the Night Zoo is Boz, and he is awful. Kofi and her mother have been working there for years, practically all of Kofi's life, to pay off all kinds of debts that her father had owed, and her father is deceased. Finally, there's Ekon, who was raised in the temple of Lakosa with his brother. They were orphans, and their father was killed by the Shatani. All Akon has ever wanted to be was a warrior, and when we first meet him, he's about to do his final test to become one. There is so much to say about this book, but I don't want to give it all away. You just you just really have to read it. It was really fun, and some parts were pretty creepy and definitely violent for folks who will appreciate it. Content warning for spiders. There were a few great twists as well that I did not see coming. It's Beasts of Prey by Ayana Gray. All right. My next pick, I just want to quickly give it a shout out. I, I can't believe so much time has gone by. I think I talked about the card catalog a very long time. <laughs> so I want to point out that out today is also Rogues, True Stories of Grifters, Killers, Rebels, and Crooks by Patrick Rodden Keefe. Patrick Radden Keefe is the author of Say Nothing, about the IRA kidnapping and the troubles in Ireland, as well as Empire of Pain, which came out last year, which is about the Sackler family, the family behind OxyContin and the opioid crisis. This is a collection of short pieces about people on both sides of the law and in between. These were all previously published in The New Yorker, but if you like true crime and really well-written nonfiction, you know, you can read them all at once. You can read them a little bit at a time. There are stories about people such as a wine forger, a whistleblower, a man who lost his brother in the Lockerbie plane bombing, a black market arms dealer, a death penalty attorney, El Chapo, and Anthony Bourdain. Patrick Rodden Keefe is an amazing writer. He's a very thorough investigator, and he tells really compelling tales. So that is Rogues, True Stories of Grifters, Killers, Rebels, and Crooks by Patrick Radden Keefe. And for my last pick, I have Rehearsals for Living by Robin Maynard and Leanne Betasamasake Simpson. This book is out today, and I have not yet read it, but I definitely have a copy sitting on my shelf waiting for me. This one is one where I'm going to have to be in the right mindset to dig into it, because it definitely does not seem like light reading. Robin Maynard is the author of Policing Black Lives, State Violence in Canada from Slavery to the Present. Leanne Beresamasake Simpson is a member of Alderville First Nation and the author of seven books, including As We Have Always Done, Indigenous Freedom Through Radical Resistance. So when the pandemic lockdown started in early 2020, these two authors started to write letters to each other as a way to foster community and connection. This book is those letters offering Black and Indigenous perspectives on everything going on right now. 
even beyond the pandemic, but the letters aren't just a rehashing of look at all this terrible stuff, but they're a thoughtful reflection on how to move forward, what is important, and what will keep us going. Like I said, this book does not seem like light reading, but it feels very, very important and more and more relevant each day. It's Rehearsals for Living by Robin Maynard and Leanne Bedasamosake Simpson. Okay, so those are our picks for today, and now it's time for the paperback release lightning round, and I do want to remind you that... Well, I don't need to remind you that I talk really fast. You already know that. But I do want to remind you that if you miss one of these titles, they are all in the show notes. You can look it up and see. So let's kick it off with the winner of last year's National Book Award for Fiction, Hell of a Book by Jason Mott. It's about an unnamed black author on book tour in the U.S. and two children, one of whom might possibly be imagined. She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, a book riot favorite. It is a queer, gender-bent fantasy retelling of the fall of the Yuan Dynasty and the life of the first Ming Emperor. Feral Creatures by Kira Jane Buxton, which is the sequel to The Amazing Hollow Kingdom, about S.T. the foul-mouthed crow at the end of the world. Bewilderness by Karen Tucker, one of my favorite novels of last year, it is a gritty, realistic tale of two young friends living with opiate addiction. The People We Keep by Allison Larkin, about a teenager who leaves school and her dad behind to try and figure out her life. This was called the best book of the year, uh, the best book of 2021 by one of our Book Riot contributors last year. Clark and Division by Naomi Hirahara, which is a New York Times best mystery novel of 2021. It is set in 1944 Chicago about a young woman who was part of a Japanese-American family released from mass incarceration during World War II who is seeking the truth about her older sister's death. Cuba, an American History by Ada Ferrer. This is a history of Cuba and its ties to the U.S., and was winner of many awards, including the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction. Fox and I, An Uncommon Friendship by Catherine Raven. It's about her friendship with a fox at her cottage in Montana, and was also a winner of many awards, just nonfiction ones. The Babysitter, My Summers with a Serial Killer by Liza Rodman and Jennifer Jordan. It's about how when Robin was an adult, she found out that her babysitter, Tony Costa, was a notorious serial killer on Cape Cod. However, I've read this memoir, and I can tell you that in this book, Costa is not the monster of this book. It's her mother. If you want to learn more about Costa, there is a book called Helltown, The Untold Story of a Serial Killer on Cape Cod by Casey Sherman, coming on July 12th. Blade of Secrets by Trisha Levenseller a YA fantasy about a teen blacksmith forced to go on the run after she creates a powerful magic sword. Gear Breakers by Zoe Hanna Makuda. It is a queer sci-fi YA about, for fans of Pacific Rim about the operators of giant robots on both sides of the war. An Accident of Stars, book one in the Manifold World series by Foz Meadows. Angry Robot is reissuing this queer portal fantasy uh, this is the first of two, I think. Harlem Sunset, a Harlem Renaissance mystery book. This is the second in the series by Nikisa Afia. The first was Dead Dead Girls, about a young queer black girl who once escaped a serial killer and now solves mysteries. The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Poston is the author of many YA novels, including Geekerella, 
This is Poston's adult debut, a ghost romance about a ghost writer of romances who has given up on love, who meets a literal ghost, who is very handsome and also very confused about how he got that way. Not handsome, a ghost. (laughs) The Sizzle Paradox by Lily Manon. This is the second adult romance from Manon. You might also recognize Manon as... Sandia Menon, the YA author of the When Dimple Met Rishi series. This one is about a scientist who studies sexual chemistry in romantic partners, but can't seem to find any sparks of her own. And then her best friend agrees to help her with her research. And those are some great paperback releases, paperback originals out today, and lots more things for you to look up and get excited about. So, Patricia, what are you going to read next? So as usual, I always have two books going. I have one going on audio and then one I'm um, reading visually. So on audio, I'm listening to Orishas, Goddesses, and Voodoo Queens, The Divine Feminine in the African Religious Traditions by Lilith Dorsey. And then I am also reading We Will Not Cancel Us and Other Dreams of Transformative Justice by Adrienne Marie Brown. What about you? So I'm on like this Levita Tidhar kick. I found these short stories about a vampire judge named Judge D. Uh, They're put out by Tor and I gobbled them up. And then I also read his book, The Big Blind, which is about a nun who enters a poker tournament. And it was also excellent. And so now I'm reading The Escapement. I've read one of his science fiction books before and I was like, that was very smart and mostly over my head. But these, all these other ones I've just loved, so now I'm reading The Escapement by Lavi Tadar, and I'm also reading Jackal by Aaron E. Adams, which is a mystery novel uh, about the murder of young girls uh, coming out in October. And that is it for today! So many thank yous! Thank you for listening to me blather on about my library card catalog. I just, <laughs> I just had to share, like, I had to share it with people who would be as excited as I am, you know, like, it's a select group. Lots of people are like, why would you want that? So thank you to Patricia for putting up with my crankiness today. And <laughs> you know, thank you to Jen for making me sound less cranky when this is all over. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to, like I said, our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram as the info file. I mostly hang out on Instagram at friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And a reminder that we are hiring a digital marketing manager. You can see the position at bookriot.com slash join us. And a reminder, please take care of yourselves. Be nice to yourselves, friends. We love you. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and for more recs or general bookishness check out bookriot.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search bookriot on your podcast player of choice and in the meantime happy happy reading. reading